You're listening to Thinkers What Works podcast. I'm your host, Jason Todd, with my capable co-host, Alex Gary, and today, Patrice Woods. She is a social media manager at AARP and recently named 40 Under 40 Brand Marketer of the Northeast by Brand Innovators. Patrice, welcome to the What Works podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. So you you uh, work in social media at AARP, and you're also named 40 Under 40 Brand Marketer of the Northeast by Brand Innovators. How, take us through this journey. How did you get to where you're at today? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I think I'll start with um, almost like post-college. Post-college, I kind of, or the last year of college, I went to Florida A&M University um, in Tallahassee, and I knew that in taking one of my marketing classes that I really wanted to focus on the understanding of why people purchase like the different things or why they made different purchasing pro- uh, choices. So I went to, st- and I started working for a marketing agency in Chicago. Um, it was pretty funny because my first job, I had the McDonald's Happy Meal account. Um, so I basically played with toys all day. Wow. Um, that sounds fun. And, and this, and then from there, I knew that I wanted to get a better understanding of, you know, what was going on, how are, were decisions made. Um, and so I became a um, brand manager at Huggies in Appleton, Wisconsin. Um, it was at that time that, and that was an interesting time because I don't have any children. So it was very eye-opening, um, learning more and more about, you know, diapers and you know, the different types of moms there are and like trying to understand their thinking. Um, But it was there when I first started to dabble in social. Uh, And I knew it was uh, something that I started to get really interested in and get start um, looking at more as a career opportunity. And in 2013, an opportunity came up at Capital One um, in McLean, Virginia. And so I you know, interviewed for the job, uh, was able, was fortunate enough to get offer, extended an offer. And I did um, social media at Capital One for about three and a half, almost four years. And then someone reached out to me and said, hey, you know, you should look at AARP. And at first I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I kind of like, you know, what I'm doing here at Capital One. But they, they, one thing that I have been, uh, that has been important to me in my career is like continuous growth. And I've never experienced or had the opportunity to market to individuals over the age of maybe 35. Um, so this was a new opportunity and a new challenge for me. Um, so I decided to, Hey, let's see what this is all about. And I've been loving it ever since. Well, you know, one thing that jumps out at me here is, uh, so you started out with Huggies and now you're with AARP. So really all you've got left is the funeral home industry. Like, that's the end. <laughs> that's, yeah, you are you are progressing along that. So that's really that's really interesting. You started so you were at Huggies uh, marketing, and you saw you talk about all the different types of moms. Um, we don't mm-hmm. we don't want to spend too much time on that. But what what are the different types of moms? I've had three kids. Oh wow, you're making me think. Um, just one mom. Just yeah, just yeah, give just, us yeah, just one mom. Uh, no, no, meaning Jason's just had one mom. Yeah. So I, I you know I just did. one mom. <laughs> Well, there are two that I recall right off the back, and there was like the um, first-time moms, 
Okay. Those are the moms, and that's mainly where I worked at. I worked in like the POMI, which we, that's an acronym for point of market entry. Okay. But that was the you know the first time moms and those individuals you know they were more. Um, they didn't know what they didn't know. So they were the individuals who were going and searching out uh, Google for questions, yeah. making, buying, you know, uh, every widget gadget that they saw, uh, no matter what the price, because they wanted to make sure that their babies were protected in any way, shape or form, you know, right. yeah. you know, those are, it's like their, it's their first time. And basically they're like, okay, I need to keep this person alive. Right. So, they're, they're, so you have that mom. And then the other mom for one of the businesses that I ran was the, um, I believe she was called like the, um, not the green mom, but the eco-friendly mom. Okay. So this is the individuals who were buying like the green products. Or you can, so they were making sure that things were eco-friendly. They wanted like nurturing type of the aloe vera and things like that. Uh, and they have a different mindset than where they're from the first time moms. You know, they're willing to pay extra to make sure that something is eco-friendly and, you know, to the environment. Yeah, that makes sense. The reason, you know, the re- one of the reasons it stands out to me is in, in when we look at marketing, um, Huggies and other and other brands do a fantastic job that it, it seems that as soon as you whisper into the wind that you may or may not be pregnant, all of a sudden a box shows up at your door and it's got all these <laughs> things that you're like, oh my God, how did, I didn't tell this company that I'm pregnant. And, and uh, it's just, it fascinates me how much information they must gather to then really uniquely identify you. And, and it's almost, uh, it's like an attack dog. Uh, in marketing, how, what, what's your what's your understanding having lived on the other side of that? I'm not going to share all of our secrets. Of course not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but essentially, you know, there is a lot of data out there that people um, share based on you know what they're clicking on, what they're searching on, especially on social media. You know, you could say that you could change your status. And by changing your status from either single to married or um, expecting or I'm now a mother or any type of those those types of identifiers will then help marketers get a better understanding of, you know, what you're interested in, what type of mindset you have, what are your passions and things of that nature. And it's all like a just by you changing a status. Wow. Yeah, that's real. That's that's really fascinating, and I, I'm I'm really uh, in awe sometimes about how the larger brands uh, bring all that stuff together. So now you've so now you've settled in now at AARP. How long have you been with AARP as a social media manager? So I've been here about a year and a half now. Okay, and and what what kinds of things? I mean, we we look at AARP and we think, well, that's an older population. Maybe they're not active on social media, uh, and and then we see, look at some stats and say, no, actually, it's a growing population. Let's say on Facebook. What what are you seeing in in terms of social media and engagement with this older population? So I will say a couple of things that I think sometimes will will shock people, of like maybe shock people about some of the platforms that they're on. So, of course, we everyone knows that majority of the individuals in this demographic, you know, in our membership demographic, are um, on Facebook. You know, that is the place where um, it's simpler than some of the other platforms, but that's where they can stay connected with their families, their friends, any of, like, their groups that they're involved with. But what we're seeing now is an emergence of the usage of Instagram. 
Really? Um, especially giving individuals um, how more and more individuals in this demographic are now have smartphones. You know, they're posting pictures of their grandchildren or they're posting pictures of different organizations that they're involved in doing community service, being out or working on passion projects. Um, I think the last study that um, that I saw is that there are over uh, 16 million active users of Instagram in the 50 plus age range. Wow. And what kinds of things are yeah. they doing on Instagram? So it's interesting enough, so we, uh, AARP just recently launched their Instagram account earlier this year. Um, we start, we partnered with um, the Facebook Facebook's Creative Shop plus uh, the initiative here called, which is called Disrupt Aging, in order to really highlight um, the thought that just because you reach a certain age doesn't mean that, you know, you have one foot in the grave. It's more about life. It's more about experience and leaning on those things. Which is something that we wanted to convey to our our members, but not only just our members. We also, and you'll notice this if you check out our Instagram page, is that we are also uh, we want to have this conversation about aging, not just with our current members, but also younger demographics. So we're looking at you know the Gen Xers, and we're looking at you know the millennials because the first millennial, so you're, you're you know, talking, you're in talking 2030, to me. they're hitting fifty which doesn't seem like, you know, that's only like 12 years away. So we want to have a conversation with them on the platforms in which they're currently on um, to help us shift that perception of how people view aging. And that's what we're using that, that platform for. So it seems that, so, I mean, Alex, I think has insights into this, depending on how you count years, Alex is 50, 49. Well, next year. So, so I had a grandma. She lived to she she thought she was going to live to a hundred, and she lived to ninety nine. She was my great grandma. She she actually lived to ninety nine, but she was convinced that she lived to a hundred because she counted her birth as year one. That's true. I'm 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 completing my fiftieth year around the sun. So yeah, he's completing his fiftieth year. No, before the podcast started, we joked. I I got my first piece of mail from AARP when I was forty four. And I took a picture of it and I posted it on Facebook and I got like 200 likes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so when you say generation, generation you X, you're talking that? to me. Yeah. What was your reaction when you received that piece of mail? I, was it that I can't believe that, like, that they have sent this to me? Or was it that this, this is cool, AARP is sending this to me? I would love to hear <laughs> it, it was two reactions. It was, I can't believe they sent this to me. And then it was like, oh my God, I'm getting AARP stuff. Does that mean I'm going to get into the movies, you know, for less now? It's <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> you get dis- <laughs> do you get discounted copies too? That's right. I was going I joked about it on Facebook. I'm like, should I just walk this around and I can get like, you know, meal deals now or what? <laughs> um, but yeah, you're an organization and you're trying to grow your membership. It's not like everybody who's 70 is a member, right? You're looking for people to actually be members. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, here's one thing we we hear from a lot of companies about social media. And there's lots of questions. So, how do you measure success when you know in your various platforms? Are, is there certain things that people should be looking at that they're not uh, when you're trying to talk about whether or not what AARP is doing is successful? 
Yeah, so I think it depends on each individual's company's goals and what they're trying to achieve and how they define certain things. So for us, when we think about engagement, you know, uh, I'm going to use Facebook as an example. Engagements are like likes, reactions, shares, comments, video views. But, you know, the way that the face that Facebook works, and especially with their algorithm, we know that they are, you know, prioritizing video content more so than some of the like the static imagery and things in motion and things of that nature. So one of the things that we look at is video views, but not just video views as what Facebook counts as a video view because that's only three seconds. But you know, if you have a 60 second video and someone is only watching three seconds, we really don't count that as a view because they're not really internalizing anything, especially not your message, especially if that's just the opening card. But we're looking at, you know, are people watching up to 50% of the video? Because to me, at that point, you're engaged and you're willing to sit there for a good portion of it to at least um, catch like the call to action and what we're trying in the message that we're trying to convey. So that's one thing we look at. And I think it is important that other brands should should think about. Um, another thing is, is, is uh, comments and shares. So one thing I love about sh- shares, I think that, you know, this to me highlights the fact that other people like what you put out so much that they are willing to share it with their own fans and followers. And to me, that speaks a lot. And, you know, that, that speaks volumes because it's not just us being an advocate for ourselves because I think a lot of brands can, you know, will toot their own horns. But actually having the consumer say, you know, not only is this relevant to me, I think that this is, some, this is something where I will then share to, to, to my following as well. Um, and then comments. So when I talk about comments, we work with our internal team to not just look at comments at a general level, um, because that's good to know, but we also look at the sentiment of comments. Um, we look at how people are um, talking about AARP. Are they talking about us in a positive manner or a negative manner? Because if you have 100 comments and 95 of them are negative comments, well, we need to go back to the, the drawing board and see how we can shift those numbers and turn those around. Do you have like a, a team that just looks at that part? Uh, the reason I ask is one of our, our local people we work with, he's, uh, he's working on a project with McDonald's. And McDonald's uh, has suffered a bit because um, criticism hasn't been answered quickly enough. So is, mm-hmm. is that, do you guys, do you have like a whole separate team that just looks for things like that to make sure they're jumping on um, critical comments quickly? Yes, we do. And we partner with them um, um, so that we, whenever we're rolling out a campaign, they are made aware of the campaign. We provide them, you know, like these are some of the comments that we may receive. And we brainstorm about how we want to respond to certain comments. Um, that is in to, that is in our voice, and that's authentic to to us. But to answer your question, yes, we do have a separate team that that helps out that we partner with. So you talk about sentiment of of comments, and I know there's some automated platforms that can gauge sentiment of of certain 
you know, sentences and things like that. Is this an automated platform that you uh, employ? And I don't, maybe you've got some, something proprietary information you can't tell us, but is there an automated platform you employ or do you, do you measure that subjectively by people reading the comment and, and you, you know, checking a box of it's positive, negative, or how do you do this? So a little bit of both. Um, so we do have some proprietary um, voice tracking um, programs that we use internally. But then we also use programs like Sprinkler. Um, and Sprinkler does allow for individuals to, um, what we call our community managers, to review the comments. And then they could like manually go in to see, um, check, I'm sorry, to check whether something is positive, negative, or neutral. Majority of the time, things will fall in the neutral bucket. Sure. Um, but we, we do want to look for those things where, especially what we found um, is when people use slang. So if someone says, and I know this is bad, uh, like almost 90s or early 2000s slang, but if someone says, you know, AARP is the bomb, the system right. will say that that's <laughs> you know, because yeah. of the word bomb. But we do have them looking out for certain things like that so that they can change that sentiment to positive. Gotcha. And then you you wrap all that information back up into, I mean, because you, you talked about you, you begin with some sort of uh, some sort of campaign rollout, then you educate people on what they might uh, how they how they might uh, need to interact with comments, and then you wrap all that back up. In, I'm, I'm guessing by gauging sentiment to figure out if the campaign is overall positive or negative or neutral, and whether it's going to make an effect on your market. Exactly, exactly. And what we typically tend to do is, depending on how long the campaign is, we will meet um, weekly just to look at you know from the posts that we publish, how are things performing? You know, are we are we seeing certain things where that we need to, for the most part, look at what we, the posts that we are publishing in the future, just to tweak some of the language or the copy to make sure that we can, to, to address some of the, you know, comments or concerns that we've already received. Okay. So the, the, now you you work for AARP. It's a big organization. You've also worked for uh, um, on your resume McDonald's, Kimberly Clark, Capital One. These are big organizations with big budgets, and and it's and it, it occurs to me that many you know let's say small and mid sized companies when they when they look at you know thinking well I'm going to have this brand strategist. Uh, they're like, no, I'm not. I don't have a brand strategist. I have a sales guy or a sales team, and they may or may not know social media well. How do you how do you look uh, when you when you think of the the breadth of knowledge and tools that you understand? How would you look at a small or mid sized business and say, you know, how, uh, these are the things that you should be paying attention to and the things that you actually can do with your finite budgets? Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes. It's it's making I mean it's such it's a um, cliche but how can I work smarter and not harder? So I think sometimes people look at social as like this scary beast and say you know I'm not for sure what I need to do I just need to post and post and post you know certain things but you have to realize that you know the the beautiful thing about some of the platforms that some of the they have different ad units based on the types of goals that you need. So one of the things that I've consulted with um, some small business, uh, some small businesses before, and you know, they were publishing almost 
every day and they're trying to get subscribers and they're trying to get leads and things of that nature. But, you know, they were using the wrong ad units. So as soon as, you know, we introduced them to like Facebook and Instagram now have lead ads that you can, and they have a template where you can put in your information, you can collect the different emails and first name and all the information that you need, and you can get people to either subscribe or to join or to register or things of that nature. And they saw, you know, their their uh, ROI like increase tenfold. So it's one of the things I would tell people is first approach social in a way where let's get a better understanding of what your goals are and making sure that we are on the appropriate platform and we're using the appropriate unit, um, the ad unit that is, in order to get your, um, your message across. So that's one thing. The other thing I would say is that unfortunately, social has become a place where it is pay to play. Um, this doesn't mean that you have to have ridiculous big budgets. You can start off with something as um, small as like $100 or $200 to get your post and your, your content seen um, to the appropriate people, um, which leads me to the third thing is having a better understanding of who you want to target. So the way that the system is set up, you can't target everyone. So having a better understanding of like who are those people that you think will purchase your purchase or, you know, that your, your content would resonate with them is, is key because that can then help to optimize the, your budget even, even more. And do you think that these are, these are tactics that uh, a small business owner, let's say, should be pursuing on their own, or should they be calling an expert help? Or where do you where do you stand on that? What where where should they focus their efforts? So I think at the beginning, so I'm going to answer this two ways. I think that at the beginning, it is helpful to have someone to provide guidance to you and to show you that you know that this is something that can be you can easily employ. Um, but I honestly think that there, if small businesses have, or medium-sized businesses have at least one to two people who can um, run their social channels, and that is, I will say, it is a full-time job, um, that that would be ideal as well. Yeah. Okay. So f- for you, we kind of we joked about it. You know, you've, you've run the gamut now from birth all the way up into retirement <laughs> and you're a, you're a continual learner. What, not what are the things that you, what I are the things? What's that? I have to talk to you about that. Not retirement. Okay. Because I will say, you know, with AARP, we know that the rules of aging are changing and like consumers are constantly bombarded with like visual cliches and negative stereotypes that, you know, once I hit 50, I am retiring. But what we're trying to do here at AARP is really break down those conventions uh, to show that, you know, people over 50 are doing awesome things. They are driving $7.6 trillion in economic activity. You know, they are um, digitally savvy. You know, um, they're often sometimes even overlooked as far as mainstream media. So what we're trying to do right now is really change 
that it's not just about retirement, but how can we, AARP is like more so changing how we look at aging. Well, personally, uh, I've read a couple books uh, <laughs> called Retirementality and a couple others. I don't ever plan to retire. I, I basically plan to work until I can't get a job anymore. And then at that point, I guess I'll be retired. One of my very, very good friends is 74, and um, he's he's doing a paper route now. <laughs> really? Yeah, to stay. Oh, wow. Yeah, why not? Awesome. You know, he's like, yeah. hey, that takes up half my day. Well, I, I retired for a, about a year, and uh, and I could have stayed longer, I suppose, but it really wasn't that great. And I'm with Alex on this, that I, I would um, I would choose to continue working. And I don't, and I don't see why that would probably change. The, now the so what you're saying is that the the elements how the, how these things pull together in in uh, as we age are changing. We are more digitally savvy. We are more likely to engage with our you know friends through social media, and sometimes then that's a mix of of continuing to work just in a new way, uh, not not mm-hmm. maybe the you know eight to five type of job. Yeah, because one thing that I I tell people all the time is that. Depending on one thing that we know is that depending on where, um, what country you're in, um, a 10 year old today can potentially live to 104. Wow. So, what does that mean? That means that if you're thinking about retiring at, let's say, 65, 70, you still have 30 plus years that you have to figure out to do it. So, you may retire, quote unquote, from one job, but there are so many different opportunities, especially given, you know, the world that we live in now, where you can, you know, follow those different passion projects or be- have five to six different careers um, in your lifespan. Yeah. So uh, now you, you are spanning the gamut here and you said you're a continual learner and you wanted you wanted the challenge of going into a market that you um, you know, you, you employed some tools and experience that you have, but you're in a new market. What, what are the things, you know, maybe, or maybe one thing that sits kind of in your brain, what's the next challenge as you, um, not, you know, AARP or, or, or someplace else even, but what's the next challenge in your mind for you to figure something out and, and what are you learning about today? Oh, wow. That's a really great question. Um, one thing that I'm interested in that, I, and it probably will have to be probably at another organization because I think that they're too young for uh, AARP or my current role is Generation Z because I don't understand them. <laughs> no, that's okay. We're parents. Not, we're parents and we don't understand them. I don't understand the mindset, some of the choices and decisions. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because they have grown up with technology, you know, at their fingertips since birth. And just seeing how they interact from with technology, with social, even with finances um, has been is, is mind boggling to me. And it's something that I, I'm very interested in. I have a question for you. Um, I, I, when I'm trying to figure out different trends and things, I'll go out and see who's doing something well. So you've been in the social media industry for quite a while now. Who do you, when you're, when you're maybe looking for ideas or cutting edge stuff, who do you follow? What other companies are out there that are doing a really good job with social media? Oh, wow. Um, I think a couple of companies. So, of course, uh, Nike. 
Nike's doing an amazing job um, in their social media and even with their different products because each each of their different products to me speaks to a different audience and they just rock it out on each of the different platforms. I think it also helps the fact that, you know, you have all these professional athletes that can help <laughs> to carry that message along. Um, I think that Coca-Cola does a really great job of not only um, staying true, showing their products, but also staying true to their to their roots and you know what that organization was was founded on. I also think that, um, and I am a fan of theirs. I think that Southwest does a really good job on social, um, either in, especially on engaging with their their. I would say fans, I guess, so to speak, and how they do. They do a lot of surprise and delight, um, which is always cool to see that come to life, um, which shows that they are leveraging, like, listening tools and things of that nature. And then I I, my, I always love uh, Wendy's because Wendy's, whoever runs that social media account, oh, the Twitter. especially on Twitter, oh, yeah. does a great uh-huh. I was driving oh, home my. with my I was driving home with my 15, 16-year-old last night and she was she was recounting tweet for tweet um a Twitter fight between Burger King <laughs> and Wendy's <laughs> and Wendy's was just you Those know, two companies go at yeah, it it's hilarious. And, and Wendy's was just you know the, the guy who does the Twitter there was just <laughs> killing it and 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 they you know the kids pay attention to that yeah that's huge yeah they do they do and what I love about that is that you know, especially with Wendy's, that has been them from basically the start. You know, they decided as an organization that's in there, it seems as though, I'm assuming, that the organization from the top are, they're fine with that. You know, they're fine with the approach that, um, how the voice or the brand is coming across on these social media platforms. And I think that sometimes that is a little, it, that could be difficult for some brands, knowing that, you know, who you are may differ depending on the platform and the audience that you're trying, you know, to go after. It does but I come, just love what they do. Yeah, it does yeah. come back to authenticity, right? I mean, you talked about yep. uh, comments, and I, I remember looking at a story one time saying, well, make sure when you post things to form it in a question so that you're you're drawing comments and things like that. And all of a sudden, every single Facebook post uh, asked a question at the end of its Facebook post, and that was irritating to me. It's like, okay, we you know they're obviously fishing <laughs> for comments, but it really it does come back to authenticity, right? Yes, exactly. You just want to make sure that you are, you know, still being true to yourself, but in a way that, you know, that you can't get called out from individuals because they will do that immediately um, for, for, for being authentic or even trying too hard, you know. Um, we know things change, trends change, but, you know, I think what's something that's really important is a brand that can stay true to themselves while still finding a way to um, jump into different conversations and add their own little element to it, I think is, is ideal. Well, I, I just want to jump in real quick here, um, you know, because we've taken up quite a bit of your time. So if people are listening to this podcast, uh, Patrice is not in Rockford. We are in Rockford. Uh, she is from Rockford. She is a Rockford-Auburn graduate from 2002 before she went to Florida A&M, and she now lives out in D.C. So you have taken time out of your busy workday to talk to us. So we're grateful for that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having. Me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, Patrice, it's been wonderful having you on the podcast. Uh, we've we've had a good time. Uh, our our audience are small business owners and mid sized business owners and and. Uh, people, entrepreneurs who want to learn from the, you know, kind of the people who are out in front. And, and it's clear uh, from 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 your recognition of 40 under 40 brand marketer and then your position out at AARP that you are one of those leaders uh, worth learning from. So we appreciate you being on the What Works podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I will say this, and I don't know if this is inappropriate, so feel free to... Nothing's inappropriate yeah. on, the po- yeah. on the What Works podcast. <laughs> Everything goes. <Sorry. laughs> but if individuals, you know, have, I don't know how this works, but if individuals do have questions, I am willing to like exchange emails or share my email address where I can then um, help individuals maybe from, answer some questions that they may have from a social media perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to share that now, or do you want us to do you want them to get in contact with us and we can forward it on to you? How would you like to do that? Yeah, I'll share it right now. You can send uh, questions that you may have to my email address. It's Patrice P A T R I C E, the letter T as in toy Woods W O O D S at gmail dot com. Awesome, Patrice. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. The What Works Podcast is a production of Thinker Ventures. Learn more at thinkerventures.com.